This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and I am once again with my trusty cohorts, uh, Carolyn Melee. Carolyn is one of the lead coaches at Eat and Form, and she kind of um, wrangles the questions and gets them to me. We only have one person. We actually did the other night. We only had one person also um, on the call, and by the end of the call, we ended up having like 15 or something. So it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of people showed up late, but we do this one on um, Saturday morning. So once again, kind of not surprising that, uh, you know, maybe sometimes things would be, um, I'm sorry, there was a little bit of noise. I, I was wondering what that was. Um, the other person that is on this call, and we're getting a bunch of people joining right now, is uh, Becky Ivaro. Becky is the um, director of coaching here at Eat Form, and once again, you know, Carolyn's popped it in the in the little box there. Just use the chat for any questions that you might have, and if you have questions, try and get them in early because sometimes all of you come up with topics that are actually more relevant than the topics that we want to talk about right now. We tend to be thinking um, in in the future tense with these calls, right? And so um, what we're going to be talking about today, because this is our lifetime um, clients, and if you're not familiar with lifetime, we basically have two calls, right? We had the, the one on Thursday that we have for all clients, and then we have one specific to lifers. And what's the difference between the two? So the, the call that we did on Thursday tends to be more acute type questions. Um, and the ones that we do for lifers, these are people that have been with us for years. So talking to them about their first fat loss cycle or whatever is not really relevant. And so we try to broaden that out to, hey, what would it look like if you've been doing this for three to four years? And so that's where I think uh, these these turn into some interesting discussions because um, it, it goes into what actually the long term looks like. And so that is actually the topic of today's podcast because you know it's interesting i have a love-hate relationship with the saying trust the process um mostly because i don't think you should trust any process that doesn't feel right or isn't working or anything like i prefer tweak the process because you know um i i think you know, even being kind of advanced in my fitness journey and, and things of this nature, and many of the coaches here at Eat Perform kind of fill that same role, we're always kind of moving in a better direction. Like, you know, when people would have seen me and looked at me as my most fit, meaning my leanest, right, was not personally my best, you know, time. Um, I would actually consider right now to be as close to my best time as possible. I have a lot of muscle, I'm very active, I do things that I enjoy. At that time, 
which probably looked good to a lot of people or when people see those pictures, um, there was a lot of sacrifice, a lot of misery involved. And that's what I mean by tweaking the process. You have to sort of pick through some of the things. And this is where I think, you know, we try to make a big impact on people's lives where it's like, what does true happiness mean for you? Because I think that when a lot of people start a program like you perform, they think, oh, there's someone that looks like me and or looks like what I think the best version of me is, whether it be like someone that's 120 or even someone that's 220, right? Um, because we have kind of the broad gamut and we try to put that out there. I think that, um, you know, I can think of one, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to view anyone else as a competitor because they don't really do what we do. But hiring a bunch of gym owners, you know, or paying a bunch of gym owners to to post on your site, you know, um, obviously they have great incentives to be fit. Um, I remember there was a there was a friend of mine who was at um, Mendota CrossFit when he owned it. His name was Pat. I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, it was just so funny how honest he was because. I mean, he just looked like, wow, you know, I mean, you know how like when you you see someone before and then you see them once, you know, they've made like a, a big transformation. I mean, he just became yoked, you know, and uh, and I asked him, I was like, man, what what changed? I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but like, like, this is a striking difference. He's like, well. I went from having another job and coaching to just coaching. He's like, so I'm here all the time. So all I do is work out, you know? And he's like, I literally work out all day long. I just work out and eat, you know? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I mean, I will say this, like, if you want to be the most fit you could possibly be, you can be super fit uh, owning a gym that has barely any clients, right? Like historically, owning a gym is something that people that get fit want to aspire to. And I think they don't necessarily aspire to it because they want to own a gym. They want to maintain fitness in their life forever, right? But it's it comes at a cost because now all of a sudden, you know, you have the stress of, like a, a great example would be, you know, October, November, December. I, I was just thinking about this, you know, um, we get a fair amount of cancels in October, November, and December because a lot of people aren't dieting and most of our memberships are month to month. And uh, well, every, every one of our membership is month to month except for lifetime. And what's interesting about that is that you know, we still have a lot of people that stay. They like to be coached through the difficult part. Um, some people leave and then they come back in January, which, you know, is is awesome. I, I love to be able to do that. Um, I've said before that the reason why we do that is because if we sold six-month memberships, we don't have to be as good as we are, right? Like, you're, 
constantly being challenged to be better when literally everyone can leave at any moment, right? And so um, it does become challenging, but then I think to myself, would I want to be, you know, Weight Watchers or Noom that sold people six-month memberships? Because think about how many people are buying a six-month membership in October, November, and December. I think the answer to that is pretty much literally zero, right? Um, the uh, Of course, some people, you know, things start to get away from them, and then they realize that they want to do something. But even in the course of November, you just go, well, you know what, I'll just wait the six weeks, and then I'll start on January 1st, which... You know, there's all this kind of slander of January 1st, which I never get. My transformation started on January 1st. Um, many people's transformation started on January 1st. People point to the fact that so many people fail on January 1st. Did you fail if you've done it a few times and then on the sixth time you succeeded? In my view, you didn't, right? So this idea of like starting and stopping is being a bad thing. Um, I do think that you learn some things stopping. Like one of the things that I learned as an example, you know, um, and lifers obviously know this uh, in anyone that's had any participation with each form at all understands that there's um, low carb days, right? And uh, on those low carb days, that is a result of my failed attempts at low carb, right? And so after a while, what started to happen was I realized I don't have to be at 30 grams of carbs. I could actually be at 120 grams of carbs and then eventually 200 grams of carbs. And that was still low in comparison to 300 grams of carbs on a medium day or 340 on a, on a higher day. And so um, you learn a lot in the things that you do wrong, right? And so I think that that's sort of interesting for a lot of people. And that kind of transitions into the bigger topic of today, which is, you know, should I be trusting a bad process, right? And so for a lot of people, I think that, you know, tweaking the process is really more of what we do here at Eat to Form, where you're having a number of trials and errors along the way. I won't get into it. You can listen to the other podcast. But I talked uh, uh, on Thursday a bit about a woman that said Eat to Form didn't work for her. And uh, she left and immediately did a hormone panel and found out that she her hormones were messed up. And so so within a week, she literally came in, dropped in the comments, you know, I found out the problem. It's like, no, 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 no. You did trial and error to find out what the next thing to try was, right? But what she doesn't know now is that if she tries to do hormone therapy and just under eats, all she's going to do is, is kind of make that hormone therapy useless, right? So at every stage, every level, food needs to become an ally, but there's always some trial and error. And that is the part that I think 
you know, can be really frustrating for people at times. Now, if you're a lifetime client of Ethan Form, I think you've sort of bought into this idea, right? That there is no, you know, uh, black and white, that it's literally gray until the day you die. And, and you sort of buy into just that, that overall concept that if you're gradually getting better and better and better over the course of many, many years, then the process is a lot longer than you think. You know, another thing that came up on Thursday was this idea that someone was deep into the process at a year and a half, right? And it was like, yeah, no, I mean, I started Eat to Perform, I think 10 years from now, um, I'll have a level of knowledge that's better than the knowledge that we have right now. As an example, I think there's going to be a lot of things coming in the next 10 years that will allow all of us to manage our health a little bit better. But I don't know that we're going to gravitate towards those things. For instance, I don't know that we're going to gravitate towards, you know, body fat as a rating or, or maybe uh, using images um, to kind of measure, you know, lean mass or, or um, artificial intelligence to find out how long you can, you can be in a, um, in a performance phase, what weight gain you should expect in that process, these types of things all of that information will be better for you, right? And so like when you look at people who wear a whoop or a garment or all these things, we're still the minority. The good majority of people get their information from Reddit, right? They get their information from low-carb forums or fasting forums or whatever extreme thing because we're all in a hurry to um, really get to normal, right? And then what? I don't think people, well, I know the diet industry doesn't have an answer for what, right? Other than just keep dieting because we charge you X amount of dollars for you to diet. And so we can't figure out any other way to charge you. That's what I love about Lifetime. The genesis of Lifetime was that Look, we believe that we can help you forever. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is to allow you a lump sum or payments or whatever that allows you to get off of, you know, the drug that is dieting, right? And, 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 and so it's, it's always makes me so grateful. I can't remember what the number is. I, I always kind of lose it and I haven't really focused on it in a while, but we're, we're coming up on like 10 to 15,000 people that are lifetime clients, maybe 10 to 12, um, which is a lot of people that have really bought into, you know, this, this uh, idea that the process is much longer than you need it to be. Okay, so what can we talk about for specifics as it relates to longer goals or shorter goals? Right. So for a lot of people that have been through one or two fat loss cycles, I think the goal really needs to be at least one year where you're building muscle. 
right? And you're really giving it a shot. And I don't mean, you know, you're doing performance numbers, but, you know, you get tired of tracking because you aren't losing weight. And so you start intuitively eating. Maybe you're keeping track of the scale. And if you really start to look at it, you went back to eating 1,600 to 1,700 calories. So you kind of sit in that middle of the road. You're not very, you know, you're, you're somewhat comfortable. And then on weekends, things get away from you. And then all of a sudden you come back to us and you want to do a fat loss cycle. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pushing to 2,500 to 3,000 calories for women, 3,000 to 3,500 for men so that you can build and hold on to muscle. Or like I mentioned earlier, find out that your body's actually sort of struggling to build that muscle or hold on to that muscle. And maybe you need to consider, you know, other options like, like hormone replacement or not. You know, I mentioned that the other night also, that it is perfectly fine to be okay, not wanting to keep pursuing an ideal aesthetic, right? Um, it, for me, the concept of eat the perform is about optimal health, right? And optimal health means that when you go to the doctor, you know, you don't get one of these long lectures, right? Um, now, doctors do tend to overvalue um, weighing less, right? And of course, anytime you start talking to doctors and you're a weight loss company or talking about doctors, everyone wants to talk about BMI. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes the internet was created, like we, we have these lofty ideas of what the internet would do and it would change the world. And it did, right? There's many positives that have come but the biggest negative is that it's just where people go to complain, right? And, and look, I understand that people judging you sucks, right? And it hurts your feelings and, and things of this nature. Um, but, you know, I made the argument the other day that, you know, having these discussions with doctors, here's the one thing we know for sure. People that avoid the doctor, they tend to get sick more. They tend to die, right? I mean, this is not particularly difficult. And so when we look at people that are overweight or very overweight, they avoid the doctor because they don't want to hear the information, right? And so for those people to then complain that I don't like what the doctor is telling me, I'm not sure that that's a long-term solution, right? Now, what I would love is if doctors were to embrace long-term more than they do, right? Um, one of my biggest fears right now is, and, and I'm not against weight loss medication per se, but the way that weight loss medication is used right now is not correct right? Weight loss medication needs a component similar to eat to perform, right? Because without that, you're not going to reestablish your metabolism. This has been well established within scientific um, uh, literature that if you just keep under eating, it, it 
harms your metabolism in a way that's just very difficult to recover. And then once again, yes, you can take thyroid medication. Yes, you can do hormone replacement. All of these are just salves for what the problem is, right? And so with telemed and um, weight loss medication being more readily available, it's not that I don't want people to lose weight. I certainly do. That's the company that we have involved on. And it can be highly effective. But it's more effective when you teach people that if you lose 50 pounds you losing weight loss medication, you're going to probably have to gain 20 pounds back, right? To reestablish what a realistic you know, lifestyle looks like, right? And let's also be real, food, um, I mean, every time we talk about alcohol, the threads go crazy because it's like the least talked about concept in all of fitness, right? I mean, um, my wife and I, we kind of have reestablished an, a new routine. And the routine involves meats, cheeses, and wine, right? Which virtually every diet program would say, these are the things you want to avoid. Meats, cheeses, and wine, like salty, salty, cold cut, cured meats, things of that nature. Um, but we're not in a fat loss cycle, right? And, you know, one of the biggest problems with alcohol is not that, that when you're eating an adequate amount of, of, of calories, you can, you can process the alcohol more easily. It's that when you're constantly under eating and you add alcohol, your body's just not ready for it, right? Because basically your body processes alcohol similar to a fat. So if you have 400 calories of, of alcohol, it's gonna look a little bit more like eight to 900 calories um, as your body is processing it. So if you're eating 1300 calories just to account for the alcohol that you're having, you're actually having a lot more calories than you think and the potential for storage is much higher. I was thinking of this the other day um, when uh, uh, a uh, my wife's, uh, my daughter's boyfriend, he's Burger King virtually every day and he's skinny as a rail. And I wanted to make a post. I, you know, I always try to like think to myself, is this post gonna mean something to people? Um, and I'm not sure that this post would have, right? Like, you know, um, once again, this is another thing related to the internet. We do two things. We go on the internet to complain or we try to get motivated by The Rock or Kim Kardashian, right? Um, rather than firefighters or, 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 you know, people that save people's lives. I mean, we have so many nurses that uh, use eat to perform. And I just think to myself, like, wow, you know, that I, I just hearing their stories, you know, is just so amazing to me. But um, the, I was going to write why Burger King stores fat, right? And um, many people have the wrong assumption that because you consume carbohydrate, um, 
that it's that insulin that is a storage hormone, right? Which is a bad way to look at it. Insulin is actually better, better. The better idea is that it's a building hormone or a repair hormone, right? So like, for instance, if you work out, tear down all your muscle, it's insulin that helps rebuild that muscle, right? And, um, but what's shocking to you when you um, look at the uh, nutritional information, like think about most of us, right? We eat mostly whole foods. We probably, you know, if we, if we do eat Burger King, we're probably not logging in on that day, right? So in general, for the most part, people don't really know how much a combo meal, right, um, or what's in it. And so I'm listening to the story and, you know, my you know daughter's boyfriend who's skinny as a rail, um, he's actually filling out a little bit. I have to give him, like, he's a mechanic. So, so he's, you know, lifting heavy things a lot. And so I'm starting to see him kind of kind of build out. But man, for the longest time, he was he was skinny. Um, and I was skinny at his age. Um, and uh, I had the same habits as he did. You know, I, I ate Burger King and, you know, um, but just met metabolically, um, you know, things hadn't sort of um, slowed or or, you know, they were just sped up. But they were also sped up a little bit because you know, I was, I was consuming a lot of calories. And so I was able to stay active along the way, not necessarily physically active, but, but just, you know, more non-exercise activity thermogenesis where you're just constantly pacing or things of that nature. You have a high motor and the fat in, in a Whopper is striking. Like it, it, it's just, you know, what, what a lot of people don't know when you buy a burger from a hamburger place, right? Not even just like Burger King, like Burger King's actually probably more responsible than most places. Like if you buy a hamburger from a local gourmet hamburger place, the best they're using is 80-20, <laughs> right? They're certainly not using 95-5 because it takes away all the, all the juice and the fat, right? So the amount of fat, you know, that is coming from these burgers is just unreal. And so now all of a sudden you go, why is this storing as fat? Well, fat stores as fat more easily than carbohydrate does. But Everybody that says any of these things, they're missing the bigger picture. We don't eat like that, right? We eat with some combination of, of carbohydrate and some combination of um, fat. So now if you consume, you know, 400 calories of fat with 200 calories of carbohydrate, if you're eating in a deficit most of the day, not a problem, right? So if your metabolism, your BMR with your level of activity and stuff like that is around 3,000, you're good. You can eat Burger King. That's why he's fine. That's why I was fine at that age too. Um, but what 
happens when you get into these long dieting cycles, right? Where you're more often than not under eating most of the time. And then all of a sudden you consume something like Burger King or a gourmet hamburger or something of this nature. Now your body is way more prone to store that because the baseline that is set is not 300, it's 1500. So that one day that you consume 2,500, it's going to be more likely that you're going to store in that situation. And so you go, well, okay, but that's just one day. That's no big deal. And you're right. That is one day and it is no big deal. But over the course of time and over the course of these different things, you will see some weight gain as a result, right? And so your defense against that is to have that higher metabolic rate, which we talked a little bit about this on Thursday. I think this is something that most of our lifetime customers are, are very keenly aware of, is that you're going to gain weight, right? If you do something like this for a long period of time, gaining weight is actually part of the secret sauce, right? Because it's very difficult to put on any real mass without gaining some weight in that process. I think what happens for a lot of us, and, and certainly there's a lot of people that have been fit a lot of their life, and many of you are attracted to eat perform because many of you come from background of under eating, and so therefore eating an adequate amount of food is very appealing, and once you do it, it's a game changer. Once you know it, you know, you're just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I spent last 20, 25 years doing that. But the other people, as an example, like myself, who lost 100 pounds, right, or even, you know, people that have lost 40 to 50 pounds, the problem with losing that weight, and, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, is I don't day to day go, I lost 100 pounds, right? And then in this instance, I can say, I've gained 35 pounds of muscle, right? I don't think that daily. I think, oh my goodness, my weight's up, right? What do I need to do to react to this? And then of course my warm brain kicks in and I go, nothing. I'm just gonna go back to the normal plan. Um, but I think that when we're talking about what the long-term looks like, Right, we have to allow for that metabolism to get up to kind of the higher points for a longer period of time. Now, one of the things that was interesting that happened this year, because I think you know, for anybody that followed, I did a fat loss for the first time in seven years. And the big conclusion that I came up with is next time I'm not going to wait seven years, right? That I will probably stick to like a two-year um, time frame, maybe. Um, there is value in eating less occasionally. You you help your insulin sensitivity. Um, these things are positive, right? Losing weight, positive. Um, I mean, Susan, in one of the podcasts that we did, we were talking about blood pressure. And I mentioned that my blood pressure had gone down and she goes, well, haven't you recently lost like 20 pounds? And I, I said, yes, um, um, which, you know, isn't 20 pounds anymore. Um, it's probably more like 15, um, uh, 12 to 15. But, um, but she's like, 
that's part of your blood pressure equation, right? So these, there are favorable things of managing your weight. You're not necessarily, you know, what I don't want people to think is that Ethan Form doesn't want people to manage their weight. Um, I do it. Everyone on staff does it. You know, we're all conscious of these things. What we don't want is for you to do it and attach happiness to it, right? Attach all these, these emotions to it that probably aren't correct, right? And they're sort of the wrong levers to use to motivate yourself, right? Because once again, we get back to what are we using the internet for? We're using the internet for complaining and to lower our self-esteem. What we're trying to point out is, is that if we can move more in the direction of, of consuming content as an example, that's more positive, um, but also moving in the direction of, of you know, positivity, right? As it relates to your own self-worth, that's the big takeaway from weightlifting. People wonder why why is weightlifting so empowering or why is completing a marathon so empowering? It's because you've done something that very few people do, right? And you've accomplished something that very few people can't. Like if you ever go to a marathon, it's sort of shocking how many people are running. Right. You're like, I didn't even know that many people existed. And then the best part of a marathon is seeing the various body types that are running that marathon. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, you know, um, this is way more varied than I would have ever thought. Um, certainly there's value in um, weighing less just because of the force on your body. I actually talked about this a bit. A bit. I was watching a documentary about Shaquille O'Neal and they were just talking about all the various injuries that he had over the years. And part of the reason why he had those injuries was because one of the things that made him great was the fact that he was 350 to 400 pounds and just nobody could handle him because he was just so big. But because he was so big, you know, and, and when he was closer to 400 pounds and playing basketball, the force that he was dealing with was four times that of his body weight. So basically, as he's running up and down the court, he's dealing with force related to 1,600 um, pounds, right? And, and that's almost a ton of weight that your body is dealing with. And so the amount of injuries and, and, and Achilles tears and knees and all these things, think about how you feel after walking out the mall. You know, I mean, he was doing it, you know, 82 day, days a year and then also the playoffs. And so when you see these big guys in sports, often their careers are much lower. And the reason why their, their careers are much lower um, is just because of the force their body is dealing with on a daily basis. And so, um, I think when we're trying to put all of this into some kind of 
understanding of what the bigger picture looks like. I think that the, the first component has to be health, right? You have to be able to go to the doctor. You have to be able to do blood work. Um, I personally try to stay off medication as much as possible. I'm open to it. I've openly talked about the fact that I do hormone replacement, um, which is the hilarious part to the question from the lady before, um, because I would never do hormone replacement and under eat all the time, right? And then I, I talked about this once again on the, the other podcast, but the only other thing that I deal with is um, hypothyroidism. And then it, it gets tweaked a little bit every time I'm in fat loss. So because I was in fat loss relatively recently, my, my um, thyroid went up a little bit, like from four to five, not, not like 29, like a lot of, a lot of people that do that aren't aware of the negatives of under eating all the time as it relates to their thyroid. Right. And so um, nothing that needed to be medicated. I am open to a low dose of, of, um, of uh, blood pressure medication, but my doctor, ironically, knows me because I go in. One of the best things about hormone therapy, by the way, is the fact that they will not put you on it without regular physicals, you, without regular blood work. The, the fact that I get blood tested every 12 weeks or so um, is, is really a game changer. It, 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 it makes me so much more aware of my health as a result. Um, but, you know, it took me about 10 years to make the decision to go on it because once you go on it, you sort of, it's like a life sentence at that point, right? And so um, you can get off of it, but it's like literally choosing from being healthy to going back to being unhealthy. Um, it's not a direct correlation specific to lots of different things. There's of course risks, um, specifically with testosterone, you have to be much more conscious, um, especially of prostate cancer. And so um, you're constantly being tested for your prostate. Like I have to go to a urologist in, in March. Um, these are all things that I would not have done if I wasn't taking this stuff, right? So it allows me to naturally... Like, for instance, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I always loved the idea of donating blood, but I just never did it, right? And now because of the testosterone, I actually donate blood as part of my treatment every three to four months. Um, and, and so it just allows you to be more conscious of your health, I think. Um, but also... I don't know that most people signing up for the hormone replacement plan are going, yeah, so wait, what you're telling me is I've got to go to a urologist every six months. I've got to get a physical every year. I've got to, you know what I'm saying? Like people think well, this is going to solve my dieting problem. And it doesn't do that. I will, I will tell you that, you know, um, just like thyroid medication doesn't necessarily solve your diet problem. Right now, 
you know, if you're consuming an adequate amount of food, your thyroid medication will be helpful in that regard because now all of a sudden it's replacing the thyroid and your thyroid is functioning more similar to the way it was supposed to in the first place. That's the biggest mistake that people make is they get on thyroid medication and they stay on a relative diet. Um, obviously, um, without the, the, the consciousness of the alcohol that a lot of people don't have, right? And so this is all a long way to say that the long haul is very long. And when you look at it that way, it's actually a blessing, right? It allows you to figure it out along the way. What we all want is actually sort of the anomaly right? That we want to solve it in 30 to 60 days, and then we never want to do it again. Well, that's not how health works. The, the healthiest people that you know work out regularly. They eat mostly whole foods, typically in abundance, right? Most of the, you know, I was watching an interview. Um, I, wish I, I wish I watched interviews with more female athletes, um, and I am familiar with you know, Megan Rapino and Sue Bird through uh, Susan Kleiner. But, you know, Tyree Kill, who's naturally a small person who plays for the Miami Dolphins, he's 195. He is literally all muscle. And his, he, I'm watching this interview, and his mom is in the audience, right? And he's just asking his mom, because the one, the interviewer is naturally a big person, right? So the nat Shane Sharp is naturally 240 pounds. So he has to work hard to try and stay small. Tyreek Hill has to work hard to try and get big. And for him, big is 195 pounds, right? And so what was interesting was literally everything the mom is saying that she cooks for her son is all the stuff that Shannon Sharp has to avoid because he's naturally a bigger guy, right? And uh, I think that we're talking about two outliers, but we're really having a discussion about where is the middle line for all of us, right? And do we want to live these restrictive lives? And then if you do want to live a really restrictive life, most of your time to maintain weight throughout your life, what in your head is making you do that? Is it, is it good or is it bad? Right? Is it pushing you in the area of joy or is it pushing you in the area of misery? Because, you know, Everyone focuses on the part of depression that causes people to go overweight. What they don't focus on is the part of depression where people are trying to uh, be less all the time, right? And we are still trying to square the circle, right? So we have all these muscular people on IG and you're wondering, well, how did they get there? Well, we're starting to figure out that all these people are on steroids, right? And they're all on something. And one of the reasons why they're all on something, let me, let me explain to you how bodybuilding works, like just the simple part, right? 
You have to eat more, you have to weigh more so that you have more muscle, you have more energy, and you can do more reps and sets in the gym. That's how bodybuilding in theory works. That's not why people are attracted to bodybuilding though. They're attracted to the look of a naturally lean person. So what happens is, is the one style, right? So, so there's kind of that Jack guy that you always see at the gym and he's probably 220, 240, he looks good, right? Has a back and, you know, super muscular woman, 175 pounds, she's a beast, right? But I wouldn't want to look like that or I wouldn't want to be that big. You know, we all kind of put these narratives um, out there because what ends up happening is, is people want the look of having built the muscle, but they don't want to deal with the mental difficulty of weight being up five pounds or weight being up 10 pounds or 20 pounds if you're trying to put on muscle, right? And so mentally that becomes really difficult if your goal is to look like the hottest person on the beach, right? And it's just always shocking to me you know, I was listening to this podcast with uh, Bert Kreischer, who's this comedian. Part of the stick with Bert Kreischer is that he, you know, does his comedy with his shirt off and he's kind of a bigger dude with kind of a belly and, and things of this nature. But he's always talking about dieting. And he's always talking about working out. And like the narratives that he, he has in his head and the narratives for these celebrities is really messed up, right? Like, like, and, and think about it, if you were him in his situation, think about most of the celebrities that you might follow or whatever, they're constantly taking pictures, they're constantly being judged by other people. So it changes their narrative. And guess what? You're following all of these people. You're following The Rock. You're following Kim Kardashian. You're following, you know, Khloe Kardashian was famously known for dieting by eating one bite of food and then windexing the rest of the plate. Is that reality for you? You know, I mean, is that is that the life that you want to live? Is that you know? Because I don't, I don't think without the incentives of the millions upon billions of dollars that many of these people have, I don't think you're going to stick to it, right? And so to me, the long term has to go, okay, first we need to look at health. Then we have to go, what brings me joy? And it's not this fantasy that if you have abs, you will have joy. Uh, in fact, you know, Virtually everyone that I know that has abs that doesn't do it in the most correct way are, are just, you wouldn't want to be around them, right? They're just not, they're just, they're, they're a level of rigid that isn't fun to be around. They tend to, you know, have kind of an air about them that isn't fun to be around, right? And so, so I think that that's, uh, that's a big piece. Um, certainly, you know, letting your health get beyond a level of, of unhealthy, of course, is not what I'm, I'm talking about either. You know, I think that this is something that 
in the intuitive eating movement that they have wrong, right? Even in the body positivity movement, I'm all for all of these things, right? But what I'm not all for is is there was one there was one influencer I've talked about it more on the podcast before that she was actually encouraging people to gain 20 to 30 pounds, right? Why? Well, because she was, and she wanted to be able to say to people, it's okay. And it is okay. The only problem was, is it wasn't okay for her. And then she went on a diet cycle, went black for like, for like six months, you know? And I was just like, I know what's going on here. And then she came back and then she confessed to everybody what she did right? And then there's all these people that now weigh 30 pounds more, right? That were like, I'm okay with it. And now, you know, they're forgiving this person for having this change of mindset, going back to disordered eating and, and, and having this harmful view of food. And sure, she gets to be forgiven, but she got millions of fans doing that, right? Right now, I mean, probably not everybody listens to this podcast is aware of the liver king, but, but that's a guy within fitness who was also one of these liars, right. That said he was doing things by eating the kidneys of the, of a chicken because it would make the kidneys of your body better and eats testicles. So he has more testosterone. Um, and, and, and all of it was a lie. He's, he's just shooting up every form of steroid possible. And, he got um, found out because um, he gave his stack to another internet user. And so they published it and now he's got this big confession and things of this nature. And, and that's the interesting thing, right? We wanna believe in all these people that we build up and put a pedestal, right? And then we forgive them when they apologize, even though their apologies, you know, they, they get to lie to you, and then they get to apologize and so that you still get to be a fan of them somehow, right? And it just perpetuates this negativity. And part of, the, part of it is, is that we're just attracted to the wrong thing, right? And I think that that's, you know, health, longevity, uh, uh, joy, but also activity. You know, I think that when we look at periods where our health is getting away from us or weight is going up or things of this nature, what we see is, is that either through injury or through, through, I'm just frustrated and I need a break, right? People stop being active. And in my view, when you stop being active, it's because you're doing something that you don't love right? And it's okay to do things for an aesthetic. That is fine. But if you are constantly starting and stopping because you're doing something you don't love to look like something that you think might make you happy that actually wouldn't, then you have to go in a different direction, right? And so you, you have to constantly be looking, but you can't let you can't go off plan for six months i mean if you do certainly you're welcome to come back but that should be your first sign that whatever you were doing previously 
this is also the other thing that we all fall into, right? Is we have something that works one time when we were overly restricted, working out all the time, right? And we go, man, you know, I felt great when I was doing that. And I know you're being genuine when you say that because when you're eating mostly whole foods and you're active, that's a good thing. But but what we often don't remember was the misery of doing something that we didn't like at 6 a.m. in the morning or whatever. And sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. But there is always a way to figure out a thing that you like more that keeps you active, especially when we're talking about overall health and looking like a fit person, not necessarily looking like a cover model, right? And so I think that those are the really the core tenets, right? It's, it's health. Am I, you know, am I seeking joy in my life? And am I active, right? And if you can keep to those core tenets, then I think you have the formula for a healthy life. But do you have the formula to, you know, make millions of dollars on Instagram? Probably not, you know? I mean, and if that's, if that's your goal, we're probably not the place for you, right? The people that find a home here are doctors, lawyers, moms, nurses, dads, right? People that understand that going to a summer barbecue is one of life's greatest joys. Like, I, you know, I'll end on this note. We haven't had any questions. You can add a question. We don't have that many people on the line right now. but. Um, the um i was thinking about this recently we were watching white lotus and if you um watch the white lotus it was filmed in sicily and then um then we watched uh we been season one while we were waiting for season two and that was filmed in hawaii so the the location are these amazing resorts and what was funny about their first resort was that we've actually stayed there. Um, and we stayed there for quite some time. In fact, that resort, so I lost 75 pounds doing low carb. And I've talked about this many times where you know my sleep was at four hours, my left eye was twitching all the time. Um, but at the time, you know, I was traveling the world as a professional poker player and I couldn't play poker because I couldn't sleep. And I, you know, my, I was depressed. Uh, you know, there was all these negative things going on. And so where the, the White Lotus was filmed um, was at the Four Seasons in Hawaii. And I have tons of pictures of my wife and my kids when they were really small. Um, at the Four Seasons in Hawaii. And it was at the Four Seasons in Hawaii where I started to just, to, I was active, you know, I was on the beach, I was in the swells and, you know, we're, we're scuba diving, you know, we're having a great time with my family. Um, and it was at that place where I said, I'm never doing that again. Right. 
in a lot of ways, <laughs> that was a little bit of the evolution of Eaton Forum. Now, we'll say that's also the place, if you've heard this story before, that I was not conscious of weight. I came back, you know, up 10, 15 pounds, I can't remember specifically. Um, and it caused me to go back, right? So I ended up gaining all 75 back, right? In a relatively short period of time. The pictures that came after, you know, that period um, were some of my worst pictures ever. I, you know, just fallen into this just state of depression that was unreal because, you know, um, at that resort, I sort of figured out I need food in my life. You know, once I, the food came back, all of a sudden I was sleeping eight, nine hours a day. I mean, I remember sleeping so much on that, on that, you know, I had slept for four hours for the last, you know, nine months. And so, because I wanted to get it all at once and then move back to normal and then just have a normal life. Well, that's just not how normal lives work. Right. And I didn't know that I didn't have a lot of the puzzle pieces at that time. If I would have just known that 10 to 15 pounds was just water because I was low carb for so long, either form would not exist, literally would not exist, you know. And um, but watching the White Lotus and watching um, these resorts and and things of this nature. I was talking to my wife, and and that's my biggest fear in life, is just that being able to see other places in the world, or like you know, I think most people know, like for instance, I'm going to Ohio, California for two months. Um, I just want to be able to do that for the rest of my life, you know, to be able to. You know, there's there's a place in Australia that my wife and I want to go. There's a place in Croatia that my wife and I want to go. You know, we've done it all as far as what the big goals are. In my in my mind, I said to myself, I just need to get my daughters out of college without um, a uh, house note or a, a Ferrari note. And and that has happened, right? So so that's that's the big thing. But we've now moved into this other phase of our life where you know these really cool things are happening. But as I started thinking about this and as I started to like dissect what it really is, you know, it really is if you look at the time, you know, in Hawaii with my family, if you look at Oh, hi, um, which, you know, my dad's coming, my sister-in-law's coming, um, friends are coming. Um, it's really the time with the people around us. You can do that without having exotic locales, right? Like the exotic locales are a plus and I hope to be able to do it forever. I know as an example, my niece, who's traveled quite a bit right now, who is a doctor, she has been to Africa, she's been to all these amazing places. She often tells us that we were her inspiration because we were traveling and no one else in the family was, right? 
And so I love that, you know, some of the things that we've been able to do in our life, people have taken on in their life, you know, being able to leave here. Because a lot of people think, oh, you're going to Ojai because you guys are snowbird. Well, first of all, no one's a snowbird at 53 and 54, right? Snowbirds are like 75. But we don't have a problem. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily have a problem doing a winter somewhere, right? Or going to South America um, when, uh, you know, it's the summer and it's the winter there, right? So um, I just think that when we're looking at what a full life is, you know, um, limiting it to just how much you weigh is really missing a lot. And I know many of our lifers, they've been around for a long time and they know the bigger philosophies and stuff like that. But I just wanted people to understand like where I come from, right? And you can put these dreams out there, but the reality is the dreams are often, the memories that you remember the most are people that passed away and you did a barbecue with them 10 years before, right? Or you just had that moment. And so hopefully that can, you know, really propel us into 2023, give us a new perspective, and and hopefully the forum is a part of that perspective. So I appreciate everybody being here. And uh, we'll talk to you later. And whatever holiday you celebrate, have fun with it. Talk to you later. Bye now.